It is Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. QB deals and more on Franchise Day in the NFL. And more bids handed out. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Daniel Jones somehow got someone to give him $40 million a year. Lamar Jackson gets the non-exclusive franchise tag. And a couple more bids handed out, but let's say the Vegas lead is the NFL and specifically the quarterbacks. You know, Derek Carr started it, and now Mm -hmm. everything is moving. Everything is moving. I'll ask you, as the resident New Yorker, when you saw Daniel Jones four years, 40 per, did you think, what? Because especially after this, the deal we just saw Derek Carr sign, I mean, Daniel Jones is now worth more than Derek Carr. That, that's that's what the Giants think anyway. So, <laughs> Daniel Jones, I, I've long said that this, in the market that exists in the NFL, you either pay for a quarterback or you don't have one. And it's not who you are, it's when you are. This was Daniel Jones's time to get a contract. It doesn't mean that he deserves the type of contract that he got. It's just that this was his time to get a contract. And if the Giants did not give Daniel Jones this money, they would be stuck without a quarterback. And that is not a place you want to be in the NFL. See, I disagree. I think it is better to be stuck without a quarterback than to be stuck in mediocrity. And I think the Titans are a perfect example of that right now. The Titans have a, a bad contract, a quarterback, and their team can't get better because of it. Uh, this, to me, the Giants, th- this is a bad decision. And the, the idea that fr- franchising Saquon Barkley and giving Daniel Jones four years at 40 per, like somehow that makes you – how does your team get better than it was a year but, ago re- is the question, but right? remember this, okay? So he gets $94 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But his first year cap number is only $19 million. So this year they can still spend money. You franchise Saquon Barkley. This was always the plan for them. A lot of this money is in incentives, $35 million in incentives for Daniel Jones that he might not even reach. So let's just take that $35 million and, and take it off the 160. Are you if if I told you it was four years, 130, would you feel better about it? He gets 82 mil in the first two years. Okay, that's a lot because of all the guaranteed money yep. and whatnot. But the Giants could get out of this deal after two years. And then that's it. They're just stuck paying him what he is. What, what's crazy is when you think about what Daniel Jones has done on the field because he's the first quarterback to sign for over $20 million a year after playing at least 15 games but throwing less than 20 touchdowns. Think about that. Like yeah. no, no quarterback that, that that puts up the numbers that he has put up has gotten paid this much. But his running ability, the the improvement that he showed in this Brian Dable, Mike Kafka offense, and the Giants, he took the Giants to the playoffs. And he had a really good playoff game against the Vikings. So if I told you you had a quarterback 
Forget about what his overall stats were for the first couple of years of his career. You have a quarterback that took you to the playoffs a year after you finished with a 4-13 and record. He took you to 9-7-1, and got you into the playoffs, went on the road to a 13-win team, threw for 300 yards, ran for 78 more, and won that game, getting you to the divisional round of the playoffs. You would say, that's my guy. That's my guy. But you're, I mean, it's such a short-sighted, like, decision. He's had one year where he was even a serviceable player. And you're like, okay, well, forget those first few years. Those don't matter. Well, then you know what? For the first time in professional sports, some team gave a contract to a player based on what he could do, not on what he already has done. Then here's the question. Do what are the Giants doing here that let them get better than what they were last year? Like, are, can the, are the Giants going to improve because of this? Because all I see is now you've got the same quarterback you've had for the last four years, except now you're paying him a lot more money. It's going to be a lot harder to build a team around him. But he's only counting $19 million for against one the year. cap this but year. For one year. So the Giants, who were a playoff team last year, are essentially bringing back the same group and could get better in free agency, have money to spend. I, I don't know that I see it. I mean, I, I really don't. I, I, and I, I mean, listen, the Giants had such a gift schedule last year. It's not going to be as easy as it was a year ago. Uh, like, if I ask you, did the Giants win or win more or less games than they won last year? What do no, you I think? think they're right. I think they were a nine-win team last year. I think they're a nine- or ten-win team this year. Okay. I think it's right around the same. And that's all you got to be, especially in that division. For 40 million a year, that's all you got to be, huh? If the, if he you realize if he Daniel gets, Jones is making forty million a year, Josh Allen makes forty three a he, year. If if the Giants get back to the playoffs this season, the deal is worth it. Okay. Only one quarterback wins the Super Bowl every year. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you got to get into the dance to have an opportunity to do that. And if Daniel Jones brings the Giants to the playoffs again, like he did last year, that that's then that's what you paid for. You paid to have your quarterback take it to the playoffs. If I told you the Giants went into the season with a rookie quarterback or Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, you wouldn't think they're a playoff no, team. I would not. But but I would feel like they're in a position where they can reset their clock, you know? Sure, but listen, say what you will about Daniel Jones. There's no denying what he did last year for the team, and they they still have salary cap space to spend, and with the adjusted cap, they, they're going to have – Plenty of room to make some moves here in free agency. Maybe get him a, a, a nice big red zone target wide receiver. I don't know. Do something to, to help this to help this team and get better from where they were last year. So I, I think again, the Giants were stuck between a rock and a hard place. The bottom line is they brought back Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, and for Giants fans and for the Giants organization, it was the best thing they could have done. Yeah. That's it. So it's all monopoly money to you and I anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't affect my life any it, it, other than it just, again, it creates a mark. It, it, it pushes the, the market to believe. Like, it kind of like the Deshaun Watson contract's done. Mm-hmm. Like, there are now people who believe that's a real contract. That's a real number for again, like Deshaun Watson when it shouldn't not, be. It's not who you are. It's when you are. And the next quarterback up is always going to get the better deal. That's the bottom line.
I mean, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get forty million a year? No, because Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is probably only going to sign a one year deal or a two year deal. Who knows? Like, is Daniel Jones a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo? He doesn't win as much, but in the Giants, that wasn't the question. Is he better? Like in the Giants' offensive system, yes. I don't know if that's true because like, the Giants are, are use a system where the quarterback needs to run the football, and that's what Daniel Jones does. Yeah. Man, it's it, it, the numbers are just outrageous to me. I mean, how uh, many quarterbacks last year ran for more yards than Daniel Jones? I mean, yeah, you can you can look at uh, the, the Justin Fields of the worlds, right? But in terms of the quarterback position, who you had Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. And then Daniel Jones. Lamar Jackson in what, how many, seven games? Something like Lamar that? Jackson's Lamar Jackson. I know. It's just crazy that he's on the list. So even. think about that. Lamar Jackson ran for 764 yards. Josh Allen, 762. Jalen Hurts, who's it, leaps and bounds better than Daniel Jones, you would yeah. say? 760. Daniel Jones, 708. Who's next on the list? For quarterbacks? Yeah. Um, well, you'd have to go down to like... Marcus Mariota, 438 yards. Can Marcus Mariota run the Giants offense? Probably. Because I got to be, I got to tell you. A lot Mar- cheaper, yeah. Marcus Mariota at 15 million a year sounds a lot better than Daniel Jones at 40. <laughs> I miss Justin Fields, but Justin Fields. Justin Fields is number he, one by yeah, far. Yeah, he's, 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 he's over a, a thousand yards. Yeah, he's a, he's a separate conversation. Yeah, that's, not, that's, non-Fields <laughs> category. <laughs> You're right. Although I, if Lamar played a full season, he smokes Justin Fields. I guess Justin Fields didn't play a full season yeah, either. Yeah, so. those guys are in a different category. Yeah. Um, but, like, this is, to me, Daniel Jones also had seven rushing touchdowns this year. So, it's, he had, that's the same amount of rushing touchdowns as Josh Allen had. So you want to compare how much they get paid? Yeah, they produce the same as far as running the football goes. Okay, as far as running the yes, football as goes. as far as running the football goes. If that was, like, is Daniel Jones a running back now? And I didn't know. I... <laughs> uh, in this Giants offense, that's what he's being asked to do. And so kudos to, for him to get paid. Let's stick in New York, though, where the biggest quarterback story of this offseason, not involving Lamar Jackson, is what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? And the reason I say let's stick in New York is because According to the reports yesterday, the Jets hopped in their private jet. <laughs> see, Jets see in their did. private yeah, yeah, jet. Yeah, yeah. And they flew to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers. The team contingent, including owner Woody Johnson, general manager Joe Douglas, head coach Robert Sala, and new offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, all flew to California to meet in person with Aaron Rodgers and discuss if that's where he would like to play. And then Rodgers can then go to the Packers and say, hey, and trade the, me to the Jets. The given here is that the Packers gave permission for this meeting to happen. Mm-hmm. So the, I think the Packers are kind of in. We're fed up. We're done. Sure. Like, go for it, bro. You want to go find something, go find something. Um, it, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense that the Jets would. I mean, that's it feels like the Jets kind of struck out on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And now this is the next. This is the clear next move because, as we discussed yesterday, if it's if it's not Derek Carr and it's not uh, Aaron Rodgers, who is it? And whoever it is, Jets fans are going to be massively disappointed. I think Aaron Rodgers was always the top target. 
and Derek Carr was kind of doing your due diligence because you don't have to, you don't have to trade. Well, yeah, I was going to say Derek Carr. The difference is Derek Carr, like you knew he was available. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you didn't like, have to trade. Yeah, yeah, there was never a guarantee that Aaron Rodgers was going to be no, available. No. So, but I think that, like I said, you don't hire Nathaniel Hackett unless you unless you think you're getting Aaron Rodgers. Unless you saw something really special out of him last year. Well, yeah, I mean that offense was yeah, cooking, cooking. You know. Russ, yeah. well, Russ was cooking. Yeah, yeah. So the Jets, I think He's cooking is, fish in the microwave is what he was cooking. This is going to be – this is happening. I think Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet in the next coming days. What is the – like, what's the payoff? Like, what are they, they going to have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers? Because that, that's obviously I, I'd a, give a big up question. A, I'd give up, um, you know, a future one. Okay. Like, not this year. Maybe not even next year. I'd give up, like, a 2025 – or maybe you do give up next year because you've got to figure, hey, if you're going to be good this year with Aaron Rodgers and you're going to be a playoff team, your first-round pick's going to be at the bottom of the first round. Yeah. So why not? Hey, take my 2024 first-rounder. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that get it done? I, I don't know. I, I well, mean, when you know what else they're doing by trading for Aaron Rodgers is taking $108 million off yeah, the Packers' true. payroll. <laughs> yeah. so, he's on, he's under contract through 2024 for $108.8 million. So <laughs> they could be like, um, you know, sure, like uh, Packers, thank you. Thank you for taking this money because now we'll have Jordan Love. We have to decide what we're going to do for his fifth-year option, and maybe they're drafting a quarterback. I'm, uh, you know, it's hard for me to say I'm certain, but I have a, I have a feeling I know how the Jordan Love story ends. With his fifth-year option not getting picked up? Yeah. It's not going to be a Daniel Jones situation? I, he has I don't a great so. year this year. Packers go to the playoffs. I and don't they think to pay so. Him. Then Jordan Love, after starting for one season, gets $40 million a year. I mean, I guess he could. That would that would be, <laughs> even, that'd be even crazier than Daniel Jones thing. But, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't see it with him. I don't see him as being – like. I mean, but that's silly because, like, if you say, could you see Jordan Love's ceiling being Daniel Jones? I'd say, well, yeah. Yeah, Probably. So maybe it is, uh, maybe maybe that is what happens. But it, it's just wild the the way that the market's been reset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, what's interesting is that the Jets' odds to win the Super Bowl have gone down. People are betting the Jets just based on the speculation that Aaron Rodgers is coming. The Jets are now eighteen to one to win the Super Bowl. That's better, better odds than Herbs and your Chargers. Man. The Jets right now are the seventh favorite to win the Super Bowl. That's wild. It's Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Eagles, Bengals, Cowboys, then the Jets. I mean, where is Aaron Rodgers in the pecking order of, like, starting quarterbacks? Did, like... I, I, we've had this conversation on the Dream Pod, and I'm sure we're going to have it again, you know, later on tonight when we record the Dream Pod for Thursday morning. But... Aaron Rodgers had a bad year last year, and it wasn't even that bad. But before that, he was the back-to-back most valuable player in the league. And the two years before that, he was a below-average quarterback. Like, it's—so that's three out of five years where it's been not good. Uh, You're right. The the highs are very high. And it it really boils down to, is is Aaron Rodgers motivated? And I thought last year— when he decided to come back, he was going to be motivated and maybe losing took that out of him mm-hmm. real quick. He does seem like a bit of a front runner. Like if things are going well, he's he's playing hard. If things aren't, eh, whatever. Oh, well, I think the Jets offer an exciting future. It's New York. It's still green jersey, so he can keep his equipment. Uh, 
And, but it also just offers a young team that has, n- you know, nothing but room to grow. And I think that that's a real promising thing. And, and, and right away, I got to be honest, because I don't know about, you know, Tua's status yeah. and what the Dolphins quarterback situation is going to be. But Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets. They're the second best team in the AFC East. I think so. And and because the Bills window is closing, they might push the Bills. I would still make the Bills the favorite in that division, and I think the Bills will win that division, but the Jets are not far behind. In fact, here's the updated odds. Bills even money. Jets plus 275, second favorite. Dolphins plus 425. Again, this is all speculation on Aaron Rodgers. Right. And you know what's crazy? Once a Rodgers deal becomes official, yeah, it gets these odds closer. move again. Yeah. So <laughs> if you like some team that's not the Jets, you should wait. If you if you like a team that is the Jets, if you do like the Jets, you need to act now. Yes. If you if you assume that Aaron Rodgers is coming. Yeah. And uh, another team that you might be able to act on now could be the Atlanta Falcons. Now you're saying, why, why, why would you act on the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, plus 380 to win the NFC South. I mean, yeah, Derek Carr signed with the Saints, so the Saints are the favorite. Falcons are 75-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Why would you act on that? Well, Lamar Jackson got the non-exclusive franchise tag on the deadline day yesterday by the Baltimore Ravens, meaning that he can negotiate a deal with any other team. And if he signs an offer sheet, Baltimore then has the right to match that offer or take two first-round picks as compensation. I do not think that Lamar Jackson will be on the Baltimore Ravens this year. I'm not saying it's going to be Atlanta because I know there are conflicting reports that, uh, yeah. that you know, people are saying, oh, Atlanta's not going to make a deal here or, you know, the Raiders are not going to make whoever. Listen, it's Lamar Jackson. I'll be honest. If I am an NFC team. Like the Lions. Yeah. Although you, oh, I mean, that offense is really good on the Jared yeah. Goff. But if I'm an NFC you team. Pay, you're not paying Jared Goff. Well, you are paying Jared Goff already. That's part of the problem. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, it wouldn't be Lamar Jackson money. But if you if you've got if you take a look around the NFC, and I said like the AFC, we know has a ton of incredible quarterbacks. All the good quarterbacks are in the AFC now. The NFC, if you said the top five quarterbacks in the NFC, who are they? It's like Jalen Hurts. Top five quarterbacks in the NFC, you would say Jalen Hurts. You would say. Um, it's about to get a weird to be a weird yeah, list. Well, I would say Matthew Stafford coming off the injury. Okay. Okay. Matthew Stafford. Dak Prescott. Okay. All right. Um Derek Carr. I mean, can I say Kirk Cousins and not get the shit kicked out of me? I, he's probably top five. Yeah. So that's probably your five right there. <laughs> so if you're if you're one of the other, you know, eleven teams in the NFC, like you suddenly have a, I'd argue that Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson had a healthy season, he could be the best quarterback in the NFC next year. Like, yeah. Lamar Jackson was a unanimous MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, people forget, how, like, how dominant he was. It, I don't understand why every NFC team that doesn't have one of those five guys we just talked about isn't ringing the, ringing the phone off the hook. Like, here's a, something to think about. The Bears, who are looking to trade the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. 
And most people think the going rate will be two first-round picks. So you could take the first pick in the draft and draft Bryce Young, mm-hmm. and it costs you two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. And maybe Bryce Young's good. Maybe he's not. I don't know what the hit rate is necessarily. Or you can sign Lamar Jackson and give up the same two first. Yes. Yeah. And have like a guy who's won an MVP yeah. and has proven that he can win in this league. Yeah. So if you are a team that is staring at, oh, maybe we can call up the Bears and and trade that for that number one overall pick, whether you are the Texans at two or whether you're the Colts at four or um, the Raiders at seven. Maybe the Lions at six. I mean, any one of these teams could be you could use Lamar Jackson, yeah. and be better off with uh, him. It's it's not a bad thought. I think I think Lamar elevates any team he plays for because any team Lamar signs with, you're going to get a motivated Lamar Jackson. I think, yeah, I think so. Although, well, he's going to be a paid Lamar Jackson, so yeah. Who knows? But you're also going to get, yeah, he's going to want to stick it to people that did not want to pay him, yeah. I think Lamar, I think you're going to get a scare. It's going to be scary, Lamar. That's what I think. In fact, can you bet Lamar for comeback player of the year right now? Uh, I don't know if you can bet it now, but I'm I, You know what? It. Up on DraftKings, he's 8-1 to one for comeback player of the year. <sighs> you know who the favorite is? Who? Demar Hamlin. I, I don't even know if he'll play. Trey Lance is the second favorite. Two of the third favorite, Lamar. The fourth favorite. I think there's value on Lamar at eight to one. The problem is Lamar would have to play a full season again. Yeah. <laughs> Brees Hall plus tw- uh, plus twelve hundred. Okay. Uh-huh. Or Russell Wilson plus eight fifty. See, that's the Geno Smith. Yeah. So all you got to do is be really bad. The year if before. you just suck and then you're better, yep. then you win the award as Geno Smith did. Uh, or I guess you got to be a backup and then do well and win the award. Yeah. So Calvin Ridley's fifteen to one. Imagine that they can't give him that. Can't give him the award. Kyler Murray, 18 to 1. Derek Carr is 20 to 1. You get benched for the last couple of games of your season. Yeah. And then you come back and you have a great year. All of a sudden, you're the comeback player of the year. Good for you. I think, I w- it, where do you think Lamar ends up if you had to make a pick right now? Favorite landing spot, not, um, not your favorite, your opinion, most likely landing spot for Lamar Jackson? <sighs> It's funny because all these teams that I'm hearing are saying they're not saying interested. No. Yep. Is It's like, how how can Washington say no? How can Carolina say no, we're mm-hmm. not interested? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'll go – I'm going to say Washington. Um, I, I know that there's people who think Sam Howell is, like, the guy. I, I don't I don't know that I – I certainly don't. But I, I don't know that the, they can really believe that. Um, they don't have a first round. They're not paying him first round price, so it's it's not a huge deal if he if he's not the guy. I would say it's either it's I think it's got to be them. I want to say Carolina, but they're not uh, in great position salary cap wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a dark horse. Is Tua or the Dolphins? If if Tua is not able to play, the Dolphins know they have a roster that's ready to win. I think I think Lamar would go there in a heartbeat. I think absolutely he would. So if you're the Dolphins, you have to really consider, hey, now remember the Dolphins don't have a first-round pick this year uh, because they tampered with Tom Brady, allegedly. I mean, Lamar's from Miami, right? I believe so. Or he's from, like, 
Fort Lauderdale. He's from Florida, yeah. You know, uh, Pompano or something like that. But you put Lamar with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell? Yeah. That's a scary offense. Uh, the Texans, I think you can take off the table because the Texans have two first-round picks, and if they were to give up two picks via this uh, fr- this franchise tag, it would have to be their own picks. So they can't give up the the later pick that they have that they're getting from Cleveland. They would have to give up the number two pick in the draft, and I don't see that happening. I'm going to go one, Washington, two, Miami, three, Baltimore. I think you just got. I think you got to eliminate Baltimore. I, I think that that relationship has sailed, and then the whole Greg Roman switch, and now you bring in Munkin. I, I really, I do. I think that the whole this, this whole thing with Baltimore is done. It's time for Baltimore to move on. Now I don't know what they do at quarterback, but I do think they move on, and we'll see where Lamar ends up. I think Miami would be excellent. I think anywhere Lamar goes is going to be the team's going to improve. Anywhere he goes. And for teams that say that they're not in on him, like the Atlantis of the world, yeah, we'll see what happens. As the Power 5 conference tournaments get underway in college hoops, the Straight out of Vegas AM crew hit up the West Coast Conference final last night. Gonzaga put a whooping on St. Mary's. This was, this was assault, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, 77-51 the final. Gonzaga was that close. No, it really wasn't. Gonzaga got whatever they wanted. Uh, they were up by like 36 points at one point. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was utter domination. Uh, I think we saw early in this game that you were getting an inspired defensive effort from Gonzaga. Yes. And if you get a good defensive effort from Gonzaga, they have the best offense in the country. It's hard to beat that team. And a lot of it was St. Mary's. Maybe the moment was too big for St. Mary's. Like they were, they missed a lot of bunnies, a lot of layups. They did it, miss a lot of layups, but also that atmosphere. We were in the arena. It was last a home night. crowd. That was a home game for Gonzaga. That place was all Bulldogs. You look at Gonzaga right now, 20 to 1 to win the title. And what do you think? They're going to be a three seed. Lenardi has them as the three seed in the West. So playing right back here in Las Vegas, should they get to the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight? And unless they're playing against UCLA, they're going to have the building. I think you're right. Yeah. Now, I'm curious to see what the crowd is like. If it is Gonzaga against UCLA in the Elite Eight, be a heck of a game. Sure. Great crowd. But right now, you tell me if if we go all chalk in that region. And again, I'm going off of Joel Lenardi's bracketology on ESPN. He's been great predicting this stuff every single year. Let's say they are the three in the in the West. Texas is the two in the West. We go Texas chalk. will travel well too. Doesn't matter. I pick Gonzaga over Texas in that uh, Sweet 16 game. Um, yeah, I probably do too. And then it's Gonzaga, UCLA, and the Elite Eight. Yeah, they haven't played this year, right? No, they haven't. Okay. That's good. I mean, it's a great matchup. What would Ken Palm have that game at? Uh, Ken Palm loves UCLA. Uh, the really? m- metrics have not been uh, UCLA's number two in Ken Palm. So, metrics by the have- way, the Gonzaga Texas would be a rematch. 
because Texas beat Gonzaga earlier this yep. year. Uh, I'd say UCLA's, pro- UCLA's probably three. Let me pull it up exactly before I uh, give a firm answer. Uh, Gonzaga would be three, according to Ken Palm. Yeah, Gonzaga, or UCLA minus three. I would take the points with Gonzaga. And Gonzaga would be minus one against Texas. Yeah. I would, I, I, I'm telling you, if that's the way my bracket's shaping up, I got Gonzaga going to the final Listen, four. what we saw was a different level of Gonzaga. Like, we saw them – this was not like a uh, – this wasn't just a regular win. This was a domination of a team that's very respected. Very Like, we talked about uh, Gonzaga and, and where they're at in Kim Palm. St. Mary's 11th in Kim Palm. <laughs> this is a team that is, like, very, very respected by metrics – and they they waxed the floor with them. I think St. Mary's lost themselves a seeding in that game last night. I think they went from a five seed to a six seed. And that actually might work out in their favor. Because there's going to be some dangerous 12 seeds in this tournament. Oral Roberts being one of them. If I told you St. Mary's Oral Roberts in the first round, I'd probably say Oral Roberts has the chance to upset them. It's tough because... Oral Roberts doesn't play defense, and but they run. Yeah, but it's hard. Can like, St. Mary's run with them? We, we, St. Mary's can run with Gonzaga. Well, did Gonzaga really run? Gonzaga scored seventy-seven points. That's true. They, they St. Mary's usually seventy-seven is a, a slow night. Yeah, for Gonzaga, so it's they still grind you down to a halt. And I, I really think Gonzaga won that game last night with their defense. Mm. Like it, it was a dominant dominant defensive performance. Okay. And it probably the best I've seen from them all season. Uh I don't know that you can push St. Mary's off the five line given what they've done this season. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean you might be right. I think it's a 6 at the worst, but Well, at the worst, yeah. Yeah. Uh it, is it, especially it, with how high Ken Palm is on them cuz the committee's going to look at all that stuff. Yeah. And and they finished the season 15 and 3 in conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um with yeah. a win over Gonzaga. In, a win over in, Gonzaga. In yeah, they they and they beat. Uh, by the way, and Oral Roberts St. Mary's can't happen because it did happen earlier this season. The committee won't put them in the same. Oh, they played each other. Already? Yeah, they played already. They and, played opening day. Oh, and St. Uh, Mary's seventy-eight. Saint, Oral Roberts seventy. St. Mary's won that game. Okay. Yeah, that's before we knew who Oral Roberts was. I mean, Oral Roberts did win a tournament game last year. We we've we've known. Yeah, but that game that game was in Morocco. <laughs> so yeah, I, listen, I. I I don't know if I lost respect for St. Mary's last night, but I certainly like Gonzaga really opened me up to wow. There, there's another level for those guys. Mm-hmm. And last Wednesday on the Dream Pod, I gave out two things. I gave out Gonzaga minus one twenty to win the WCC, and I gave out Gonzaga twenty five to one to win the tournament. I would imagine after that performance, mm-hmm. you're not going to see twenty five to one again. For well, no, Gonzaga. You, you already aren't seeing it. it's twenty to one, but yeah. I I think later on today that twenty to one is gone. I I agree. I would bet them. They're plus four fifty to make the final four. I hate betting those final four bets till I see what what the bracket like what regions teams are in. But you know that they're probably going to be in the West, and that's going to put them here in Vegas. And they got a great crowd here. Yeah, but here's the other thing to think about: the West. If if let's say UCLA for whatever reason isn't a one seed, they let's say they decide to put Purdue in as the one seed over UCLA. You know who becomes the one seed in the West is Houston. Mm. And yeah, that's tough. Yeah. So suddenly, you that, know what else? You know what else sucks though. So I'm I'm looking at the bracket right now, and the three seed in the West. So the eleven six three fourteen, those games are in Albany. Mm-hmm. As in 
upstate New York. Yeah. As in all the way across the country from Spokane, Washington. I don't know how those miles affect the Gonzaga players. Listen, Spokane, Washington is not close to anything. Yeah. So... I think Gonzaga is used to it. Probably uh, it, they probably have less of a disadvantage than most of these other teams because they they always play in these neutral site tournaments. Mm-hmm. They 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 travel pretty but regularly. Could in the, in the, in the, but it could be an early, but it could be an early start time. Sure, so it could be an early body clock game. I mean, look at right now. If San Diego State is the uh, the sixth seed in that region, they're playing in Albany as well. Yeah, that's a tough. Tough, ma- tough, sure. tough placements. Listen, this is it, but this is the thing that they've got going for them is this is a very experienced team. This is a team a lot of people thought was going to win the tournament last year. Didn't happen. Uh, but they've got a lot of these guys back, and it is, it's it's starting to gel together mm-hmm. for them. There was a reason why earlier in the season people were kind of doubting them. Like, you know, they lost at home to Loyola Marymount. If they don't lose that game by one point to Loyola, <laughs> I think we look at them totally different. I really do, because they'd be sitting at twenty or twenty nine and four, and the losses would be at Texas, Texas's first game in their brand new building, a neutral site against Purdue, a one point neutral loss to Baylor, and an overtime loss at St. Mary's. No mm-hmm. one would be saying, "Oh, Gonzaga's in trouble." Like Gonzaga's just set the precedent that every year they go, you know, they they, they go into the tournament with two or three losses yeah. if that uh i mean remember in in 2021 they went in undefeated so i i think maybe they've just kind of set a precedent that's impossible to maintain this still has been a phenomenal season for gonzaga uh this is still a team that that beat michigan state non-con they beat kentucky non-con they beat alabama non-con like this is a team they beat xavier non-con they've got some quality quality wins this is a team I have no doubt can compete come the tournament. One other ticket was punched to the big dance. A couple more tickets actually got punched today. Well, the NEC final as uh, Fairy Dickinson already. Had it was already punched. punched. That one was already punched. But yeah. Merrimack gets the win. They do not cover, though. Merrimack was actually down 66-59 yeah. with 256 left in this game. And from that moment on, in the final three minutes, Fairway Dickinson didn't score a point, and Merrimack scored one free throw, then a layup with a three-point play, another free throw to tie the game, and then another free throw to take the lead. So Merrimack only made one basket, which was a layup that they got fouled on. No one made a shot in the final three <laughs> minutes. Merrimack wins. Congratulations. You win the NEC tournament. But... Because of the stupid NC2A rules, you are not going to the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to Fairley Dickinson, who's probably going to be one of those uh, 16-seed More than likely, yeah. NEC is one of the worst conferences in in the country. And then good luck getting run out of the building by Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Northern Kentucky won the Horizon, excuse me, the Barbasol Horizon League Championship. Uh, Northern Kentucky 63, Cleveland State 61. Congrats. Uh, Charles hung on to win the Colonial 63-58. They were kind of a, a dominant force most of the season and had a tight one to finish the year against UNC Wilmington. And our boys, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. 92-58 winners in the Summit League Championship. The Oral Roberts, uh, who had some complaints about the format of the tournament, 
Why? Because they were 18-0 in the conference? You go 18-0 in conference, and you have to go to a quote-unquote neutral site to uh, to play in the, the championship. Where, in South Dakota. In South Dakota, where everybody's cheering for South Dakota, South Dakota State, North Dakota, North Dakota State. Yeah. Uh, and you got to win the same amount. Like, everybody plays the same amount of games. There's no buys. So they, they weren't really thrilled with the format of this thing. But they get through, get the job done, and they are likely a uh, well a, a well seated team. They're going to be scary. Yeah, uh, they're going to be. Listen, a twelve beats a five every year. They're going to be the twelve seed that wins the game. Yep. At least I will say this: they will be the twelve seed that everyone picks to win the game. Yeah. And you know something? They might be actually favored in their 12-5 matchup. It depends on who it is. You're right, though. But this is a team that everybody remembers a couple years ago as a 15, beat Ohio State, followed up with a win over Florida. They, in, this team went to the Sweet 16. All right, give me the Ken Palm right now on Lenardi's matchup has Oral Roberts 12 in the East. Okay. Oral Roberts, Iowa State. What's the, what's oh. the, what's the line? Um, Oral Roberts is favored. I, I yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me let me look it up just to be sure. But yeah, I would. I'd, I'll I'll bet money right now. Oral Roberts would be favored. Uh, That's, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Oral Roberts will be the 12 seed that is favored over the five. Let's see. Oh, I, I'm looking at the wrong year. Hang on just a second. No, Oral Roberts won't be favored. It won't. Uh, Oral Roberts would be mm, probably it'd probably be four, three and three or four. So Iowa State favored by four. Yeah. Yeah, but the public's going to bet on oh, Oral Roberts. Oh, for sure, money would come on Oral Roberts. So this might be closer than we think. Yeah, maybe a pick them. Yeah, right. I still think they might be favored. And well, listen, it could be another team as a five seed. If it's Kentucky, it ain't going to be favored. No, though. but if it's uh, I don't know Creighton. No, Creighton's a darling Creighton, as well. Yeah, Creighton's loved by analytics as well. Um, uh, what would be a bad five seed? Michigan State. Michigan State's public though. Um, TCU would be a bad five seed, maybe. Uh, Although they I mean, got their best player back now, I would say analytics like Michigan State the least of those teams okay. you mentioned. Um, although they may be, yeah, it's probably equivalent to Iowa State, Michigan State, TCU, Iowa State, kind of, kind of mm. all in the same group. But what I'd about s- like Miami or or San Mi- Diego State? Miami's lower than those teams Miami's in lower, analytics yeah. minds. Yeah, and San Diego State as well. Uh, San Diego State is probably a little higher than those okay. teams, but Miami is uh, Miami. If you put Miami and Oral Roberts on a neutral, I would. It's a pick at worst. Mm. All right. Well, let's take a look at what we have going on uh, today as the Power Five conferences continue. ACC tournament second round action: Syracuse and Wake Forest. What do you think about this matchup? Wake is a two and a half point favorite. Yeah, money's come on Wake. Um, I I don't trust them. Uh, I I liked them early in the season, and mm-hmm. they they've kind of fallen apart as the season went on. And this was a matchup that just happened at Syracuse to end the season. Syracuse got a nine point win, and it's hard to say that Syracuse is playing good ball right now because they weren't. They had a four game losing streak before that. Uh, this is a game that I will not be investing any money on. Like, okay, it, I don't trust either team right now. All right, let's stick in the ACC tournament uh, second round action. Georgia Tech Pittsburgh Pitt a seven point favorite. Yeah, Georgia Tech. 
is is scary here. Uh, I think I mean Pitt's obviously a deserved favorite, but Georgia Tech they really turned it on at the end of the season. They won six of their last eight. Obviously a close win yesterday against Florida State. Uh, really kind of got bailed out. It was a tie. It looked like it was headed to overtime, mm-hmm. and they called a foul. Uh, with under a second left that sent Georgia Tech to the line for two, uh, and they win by one. They missed a second free throw on purpose very wisely, by the way. Um, So I like the way that they're playing. One of the two losses that they had in that stretch was at Pittsburgh. Um, So they lost both times to Pitt this year. Uh, Seven feels like like a higher number than I'd want to lay with Pitt, so it's probably a dog or pass for me. North Carolina, who was the preseason number one, they desperately need wins to get into this tournament, and uh, we're talking about the big dance, and they're playing in Greensboro, which is basically a home court for them. They are 10-point favorites over Boston College. Yeah, Boston College stinks. Um, that, that that number feels about right. Boston College getting a win and kind of pulling away from Louisville doesn't tell me anything, but Boston College is also a team that played a lot better in the second half of conference play than they did in the first half. They started out conference play two and six, finished nine and 11. So at least we're competitive down the stretch. Um, We're not really competitive. The game that they played at North Carolina, uh, but they only lost by eight there on the road, getting 10. It would be again, dog or pass for me. And oftentimes like rest is one thing. It's nice when a team can be rested, but there is something to teams that, like it's nice to have a game under your belt yeah. in these tournaments sometimes. And Boston College is top twenty in bench minutes. This mm. is a team that is is deep. Like the their their legs aren't going to be tired. Yeah. So and they're playing it's a North a North Carolina team who's the opposite of deep runs maybe a, a six man rotation most mm-hmm. of the time three hundred fifty ninth in uh, bench minutes is North Carolina. So. so I, it, it's uh, that's fifth from fifth from the bottom, so not good. Uh, so North Carolina is not really built to make a run. That that said, it's one game. I'm not going to knock Boston College here. I, I think ten feels like a good number on them. And Virginia Tech, NC State, where NC State's a two and a half point favorite. Yeah, I lean to uh, the Wolfpack here. I did not like the way Virginia Tech looked last night against Notre Dame. Uh, and, and I know that it was Mike Bray's last game for Notre Dame. I know maybe there was some emotion involved, but I was, I mean, Virginia Tech should be much better th- than that. And so that showing alone is enough for me to, to just be kind of looking away from them. North Carolina State beat Virginia Tech when they played earlier this season. Uh, it would be North Carolina State or nothing for me. And North Carolina State, I looked at as a team as kind of a dark horse to win the mm. ACC. So okay. uh, maybe North Carolina State money line. Big 12 tournament begins. First round action from Kansas City. West Virginia, a four and a half point favorite over Texas Tech. Oof. It, this is such a weird matchup for Texas Tech because I, they're without their coach now. They suspend their coach right before the tournament. Although apparently the word is that Mark Adams players weren't exactly thrilled to be playing for him anyway. Uh, so maybe it's a good thing. Not a good history to be a Texas Tech head basketball coach. No, it's not. And what we've seen is Texas Tech keeps losing down the stretch, but they lost by one to TCU, lost by four at Kansas, lost by three to finish the season at at Oklahoma State. They're hanging in these games. Before that, they'd won four straight. So they played a lot better at at the end of the season. West Virginia so reliant on home court. Uh, it's hard for me to to like them here, but they should they should be able to beat Texas Tech. I, I, two teams that I I don't have a good feel for because I've kind of written them off as like 
teams that can't compete in March. So I, I, not not a great feel for this game. Your nightcap, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, Oklahoma State is is not good right now. Uh, without Avery Anderson, their point guard, they've just been kind of a, a tragedy. This is a team that back in early February looked like a lock to make the tournament, lost five straight games before getting that three-point win at, uh, at Texas Tech to, to finish the season. But Oklahoma's been sort of the bottom of the barrel of this league all season long. Um, you expect them to play Oklahoma State tough, although the first two matchups were heavy Oklahoma State wins, comfortable double-digit wins. Uh, but Oklahoma State had their point guard then. It'd be Oklahoma State or nothing for me just because the the hope would be that maybe Avery Anderson can give him a couple minutes. To the Big East we go. Madison Square Garden, the site, St. John's and Butler. First round action, the Johnnies. Gross, I don't want to talk about this game. Six and a half point favorites. Yeah, I'm not betting Butler. I, I so, But I also think you pay a tax in this tournament on St. John's more often than not because people think, oh, it's home court. Mm-hmm. Home. The, the Big East tournament is really a home court edge for UConn. Yeah, um, well, I mean, look, St. John's does play home games there. Sure. So, I mean, not all of them, but they do play some sure. home games there. There's just not a ton of St. John's fans is the point. Right? <laughs> so uh, I I'm not willing to pay that tax, but I don't want Butler. All right. Second game of the afternoon, Seton Hall, a five and a half point favorite over DePaul. Yeah. Seton Hall's not a team that's fun to back as a, a favorite. Uh, they they sometimes have a hard time pulling away, but DePaul's really bad. Like if I was looking at any game for Seton Hall to be able to, to get some separation. And I remember that, you know, there's a team that's got Shaheen Holloway at coach. This is a team that made a run last year with St. Peter's. Uh, coach I could, that made a run. Yeah. Yeah. Coach that made a run. I could see them. Uh, I could see them doing it. The two regular season games finished. It was Seton Hall by four, Seton Hall by five. So it's probably right about where the number should be. If anything, I, I could see a little bit of value on Hall, but, but not enough to want to play it. And your nightcap, Georgetown Villanova with, the Wildcats, a 12-point favorite. Uh, yeah, I, uh, boy, I, Villanova's playing good ball right now. Villanova's, I think, also vastly overrated because they had this nice run to finish the season where they won six of eight games. The truth is they were bad for most of the year. Uh, and if you remember, this was, I think, mid-January. Georgetown almost beat uh, Villanova mm-hmm. at Villanova. It, it, you're, how many? What's the spread? Give me that spread again. Twelve. Year? Twelve. Yeah, I, it would be Georgetown or pass for me. It's not fun to bet Georgetown because you know you basically know they don't have a chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but they fight for whatever reason. This team still fights, and it's probably Patrick Ewing's last game as head coach. I, I'd expect them to give a spirited effort. To the Big Ten we go. Chicago, the site of the tournament, first round action. Ohio State, Wisconsin. The Buckeyes are a two point favorite. Yeah, the Buckeyes being favored here is oh, it's weird. Uh, because the Buckeyes have been really bad all season long. Uh, but analytically, they're still ahead of Wisconsin. And they made a big jump after the Illinois win. They went from 71 in Kim Palm to 65. Then they beat Maryland. Now they're sitting at 58 in Kim Palm. So they made a 13-point jump mm, wow. by winning two of their last three games. Wisconsin on like so it's it, there's a lot of, hey, what have you done for me lately? They've been good. Wisconsin Lost to Michigan in overtime, uh, lost to Purdue, close games, both games, and then barely eked out a win over Minnesota, not playing their best ball right now. It's it's 
one of those games where you're like it's the sharp side to play mm-hmm. Ohio State, but mm-hmm. I don't trust this Ohio State team that's been dead all season long. I also hate the Big Ten is a hard team for because I don't like any of the teams. It's yeah. hard for me to be like, yeah, I could see them really doing something because I don't like any of these teams. So it's probably a pass, but most of the money will come in on Ohio State. And Minnesota, Nebraska with Nebraska, a six-point favorite. Yeah, it would be it would have to be Nebraska for me here. They played an overtime game the first time they matched up. The second time they matched up was a, a double digit win for Corn. Um, Nebraska's not. I mean, they, they're not good, but this is a team that won five of their last six games to finish the season. So they're certainly in better form right now. Uh, it's, it's Husker or pass for me. Let's go to the Pac-12 here in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, the site. First game of the day, Colorado-Washington. Colorado, a four-point favorite. Yeah, Colorado's one of those teams that I don't like to back when they're not at home. Um, and, in fact, when they were at home this year, they lost to Washington. They got swept by Washington. Okay. Um, hard to beat a team three times, though. It, well, if they say that, it's really <laughs> actually not that hard to beat a team three times. Uh, Washington catching points is the only way I'd look. California against Washington State. Wazoo. 14 point favorites. Washington State won the last six games of the season. Like they are, they they really turned things on, including their last three games, all road games. Now they weren't playing the toughest teams, but that's that's guess who they're playing here? The worst team in the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, 13 is a massive number for a, a meh team, um, but I I just can't. I, I wouldn't bet Cal with your money. I mean, this is a team that, that hasn't won a game since uh, early January. Oof. Uh, they they've they've had a couple close games down the, down the stretch, like their last game of the season against Oregon State. They lost three or four points, but it, not a team that I'm looking to back in the tournament. Stanford, Utah, that game is a pick'em. Yeah, Stanford is a team that early in the season I kind of counted for dead, and about. Midway through the season, after they started 0-7 in conference, they really turned it on, finished the year 7-13 and in conference. So if 7-6 and finished to their season, it looked like it was just a total disaster. Whereas Utah, the, the end of the season for them was kind of the opposite. It was a total disaster. This is a team that built up a nice, healthy record, 8-3 and in conference, and they finished 10-10. and The two wins were home to Cal, home to Colorado, who can't win away from their home, and they lost everything else uh, as a pick, I, I'd, I'd lean to the tree. And the nightcap, Oregon State, Arizona State. Arizona State, 10-point favorites. Yeah, Arizona State is kind of a, uh, a, a darling. They're, and they're a team who also really needs some wins, probably more than one win here. So uh, I would expect focused effort from them. Uh, Oregon State's been pretty bad down the stretch with the exception of the, they, they lost – for their last five, the one win was Cal. So take that for what it's worth. This is a pretty bad team. Ten's um, a big number, though. I I guess I'd lean to, to laying it with Arizona State, but it, I probably won't get involved. Those are your Power 5 conference tournament games that will be taking place here on Wednesday. And three more tickets to the big dance will be punched uh, later on today. The Southland tournament final, uh, we will see that happen. Uh, we'll also see the championship of the uh, – the Patriot League, yes, the Patriot League championship game and the Big Sky. So three more tickets to the Big Dance will be punched, and we'll get you all that uh, recap and take a look at the quarterfinal rounds of some of these Power 5 conferences coming up on tomorrow's show. 
Some notable finishes in the NBA last night. The Knicks saw their winning streak come to a close. No. Despite having a 16-point halftime lead, the Knicks lose to the Hornets 112-105. Yuck. The Knicks scored 39 points in the second half. Ouch. That's not a good look. That's not a good look. They just... I mean, St. Mary's couldn't score 39 and a half. Yeah. But. <laughs> the Knicks sat back and just, wow. I mean, they, they laid an egg in that second half. And credit to the Hornets, who, who really fought hard after being down big at half. Uh, they, they played really well, especially in that third quarter. The Warriors lose on the road. Tell me if you've Shocker. heard that before. Yeah. They were road favorites. I, I said it yesterday. It sounds crazy. They lose to the Thunder, 137-128, despite Steph Curry... Knocking down 10 trays, 40 points, six boards, seven oh assists. Gosh. He's good at sports. He's good, but the the Warriors still lose to the Thunder uh, because they were on the road, and they always lose on the road. The Lakers win a break up the Lakers, man. They win again, 112-103 against the John Morant-less Grizzlies. Anthony Davis. Well, they, remember, they were the LeBron-less Lakers. Yeah, who cares, though? <laughs> They're better without him. Maybe. 30 points and 22 boards. Is that good? From Anthony Davis. It's good to have 30 points and 22 rebounds in the same game. That's some really good stuff yeah, right seems, now. Yeah, it seems solid. You look right now at the standings in the Western Conference. The Lakers, who have won 6 of 10, they are the 10 seed right now. Say what you want about they're better without LeBron. I, I honestly think this is true. They're better without Russell Westbrook. Of course, like that's, Every that's team the, is. <laughs> like just having him not around. Even if they had him right now without LeBron, I feel like it would be yeah. a detriment. Yes, I agree. Here's what's going to be dangerous: the Lakers are right now in this. That I think they will end up in this playoff play-in tournament, and then you get LeBron James back healthy, and all they got to do is maybe win one game yeah. to get into the playoffs. I mean, the Lakers are probably going to be in the playoffs. I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't count them out. And no. But we're back in that mode of, well, like, like I said uh, early this season, the, the fun thing about this play-in tournament is the possibility that we get, you know, the Lakers versus a one seed or Golden State versus a two seed. Like, that stuff is interesting to me come yeah, playoff teams time. that when they when they at their best yeah, they're just uh, as dangerous exactly uh, let's take a look at the action tonight the hawks are at the wizards and uh, atlanta you know three and a half point favorites playing all right for the new head coach uh the blazers are at the celtics boston the boston gonna lose in overtime that's the boston has lost three straight games two of them in overtime mm-hmm. in a row and now they're nine and a half point favorites against dame and the blazers it's a lot to lay. It is a, a lot to lay. Three straight games. Yep. They got to bounce at it. They got to snap out of it some sooner or later. The Cavs are at the Heat. Cleveland laying two. The Mavericks on the second of a back to back in New Orleans against the Pelicans. Dallas a two point favorite, and you have the Bulls at the Nuggets. Denver eight point favorites. Thunder second of a back to back. They are in Phoenix to take on the Suns. This is the home debut for Kevin Durant. 12-and-a-half-point favorites. Phoenix's. Oh, my gosh. And uh, finally, the Clippers, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Raptors. That's a big line for the Suns. But, yeah. I mean, Kevin Durant, first game at home, you got to think this crowd is all about it. They've won three straight games now, and Durant has looked really good in all of them. Yeah, and Thunder on, like you said, on a back-to-back where 
they go from home to the road for the second half of the back-to-back. I don't I don't like that spot for them. Yeah, so Durant coming off a 37-point performance, playing the most minutes that he has, 40 minutes against Dallas, the most minutes that he has since becoming a member of the Phoenix Suns. I would expect Durant to go off once again and the Suns to win, and uh, maybe first-half Suns. Maybe they ride the emotion and the Thunder come out tired from, you know, the, 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 the back-to-back could be a way to look. KD's former team, Chris Paul's former team. Mm. Some wild finishes on the ice last night. Uh, The Devils had a 3-2 lead over the Maple Leafs with about four minutes left. And not only did they give up the tying goal, but then they also took a late penalty and gave up the go-ahead goal. So the Maple Leafs win 4-3 in New Jersey. Uh, The Devils, who came into last night two points back of Carolina for first place in the Metropolitan Division, absolutely let one slip away, especially if they were scoreboard watching because Carolina was trailing the whole game against the Canadiens, and both of these games late turned out to be disasters for the Devils because the Devils lose, but not only do they lose the lead, they lose the game late. Carolina ties the game late and then wins in overtime. So now the deficit is even bigger. The gap is bigger now between those two teams atop the Metropolitan standings. Hey, the Lightning finally won a game. <laughs> Five to two over the Flyers. They were massive favorites, and I didn't want to lay it because this looked like a broken team, but they uh, seemed to answer the bell and respond against a bad Flyers team. Elsewhere, the Panthers beat the Golden Knights 2-1. It was the Penguins coming back from 4 nothing down to beat the Blue Jackets 5-4 in overtime. Uh, goal, great goaltending from Ilya Sorokin and the Islanders. They beat the Sabres 3-2. Sorokin, if it wasn't for Linus Olmark, Sorokin's the Vesna Trophy winner this season. I mean, he made 22 saves last night. It's not a lot. It wasn't like uh, his opponent uh, who made 36 saves. But Sorokin is having an incredible season, especially at home. His splits... As great as he is on the season, he's even better at home. It's it's just Islanders at home are going to be a scary team down the stretch here. Uh, the Flames beat the Wild in a shootout, one nothing. Coyotes six uh, two over the Blues. Avalanche a six nothing route of the Sharks. Kraken five two over the Ducks. So let's take a look at what we have tonight. Just three games on your schedule. TNT doubleheader, Blackhawks at the Red Wings, Detroit minus 235. The second game of that doubleheader is the Ducks at the Canucks, Vancouver minus 205. This is TNT telling you, go watch college basketball. And uh, the Wild is taking on the Jets, Winnipeg minus 130. Taking a look at the standings right now, uh, Tampa is five points back still of Toronto for the race for who's going to be home in that series between the two of them because neither of them are catching Boston. So that's going to be your 2-3 matchup in the Atlantic. I mentioned the Devils and Carolina. That gap is now four points. So Carolina's got 92. The Devils have 88. So the Devils are still, you know, trying to get first place. The Rangers... They got to they gotta hold off the Islanders. Rangers have 79 points. Islanders have 74. The Penguins with an important win. They have 73. Looking at the wild card standings in the Eastern Conference, it's the Islanders and Penguins, but the Panthers are three points back. Ottawa, five points back. In the Western Conference, you have Colorado is only three points back of Minnesota in the race for who's going to be the home seed in that 2-3 matchup, but First place is still within grabs because Minnesota is two points back of Dallas for first. In the Pacific, everyone's separated by two points. Vegas and L.A. are tied. Seattle is two points back. The wild cards are even 
closer than that as well. The Western Conference standings, everybody is close. It will not be decided until the final three games of the regular season. Literally. You have a team right now in Edmonton that is a wild card team at 78 points and a team like, you know, Winnipeg that's 75 points. Both those teams could finish in first place. Like, that's not even crazy. They're within six points. Winnipeg, I mean, Edmonton's within four points. Winnipeg's within six points. One week and you're in first place. Yeah. So this could all change in the final week of the season. Uh, You know, about 18 or so games left for most of these teams, 17 games. So it's going to be a great final stretch here of the NHL season. Joining us now on Straight Out of Vegas AM, he hosts the... PGA or the the golf podcast here on our very network uh, on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. You can find him weekly before the uh, the the tourneys kick off. And man, he's done a fantastic job. Did a great job last year. Has done a great job this year. Will Doctor joins us on the program. Will, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're uh, you know we're on to the uh, the next elevated event. Twenty million dollar purse this week for the players. Uh, you know, coming off a great week uh, last week at Bay Hill, uh, where Kurt Kitayama won, obviously fended off a bunch of top dogs and Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, uh, Jordan Spieth. Uh, but it, it, it's an interesting year for the players. You know, the defending champion is not back in, in Camp Smith due to everything going on with Liv, but it's going to be a great championship this week at, uh, at TBC Sawgrass. You know, 400 acres of swamp. Uh, it's the number, it has the most uh, holes with water on it amongst any tour on the PGA tour. So should be a good week. It's funny. You mentioned, you know, the, the defending champ Cam Smith off to live. And obviously it's, it's live hasn't been great for the PGA, but in a way you just mentioned the purse for this event. And maybe in some, in some ways it has benefited the PGA guys. Oh, totally. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's been a great, it, you know, no one wants to say it. This is, you know, live golf has been exactly what the PGA tour has needed. You know, AJ prior to this year, uh, members of the PGA tour or the, you know, kind of the secondary minor league tour, the corn Ferry tour, uh, they didn't get any money going into the season. So they were paying their own expenses expenses and due to live golf, uh, the PGA tour now gives uh 500 K to everyone who has full status on the PGA tour and full status on the corn freight tour. And you're exactly right. We wouldn't have uh, what 17 elevated events this year with a $20 million purse uh, without the effect of live. So uh, it, it's made the PGA tour move in the right direction, whether you like it or not. Um, not to say live golf lasts any longer this than this year, but I'm not sure that was really their plan. I think Phil's plan and Greg Norman's plan from the get go was to make the PGA tour change. And and yes, that's what, that's what it's done. I know it's an exciting time, obviously. And this is a big tournament coming up this weekend. And when you look around at the top golfers right now, the players that are at the top of their game, is anybody playing better than John Rahm right now? Well, no, uh, he's off to uh, the best start uh, of, of any PGA Tour season since Johnny Miller swept the the uh, the West Coast swing in 1975. I mean, even when you look at the years where uh, Tiger won nine times in 2000, when Vijay Singh won nine times in 2004, uh, they didn't get off to the start that that John Rahm did. Uh, he would have been at four wins on the season if he had won last week, Darnell Palmer. Uh, his driver let him down on the weekend, but uh, the answer is, is no. Now there is 
a, a battle going on at world number one. Had Rory McIlroy or Scotty Scheffler won last week, uh, they'd be uh, number one again. Uh, Rom had to finish second uh, or better in order to maintain that. And he ended up maintaining world number one because nor, neither Scheffler nor Rory won. Uh, no one is playing better than Rom, but there is a there is a nice little battle for world number one going on in the world of golf right now. Well, it's interesting, Rom, world number one, and you mentioned the driver let him down. That's obviously kind of what he's known for. Uh, let's let's start with him. We're going to go through the top five in the odds, and Rom not yeah. top in the odds, but since we're on him, we'll go ahead and, and give your thoughts on him at Sawgrass. But does him failing with the driver kind of give you concern uh, coming into this week at Sawgrass? You know, I I think Rom. When, when you talk about last week, I, I look at the driver as a bit of a fluke. It it was the first event in twelve starts where he had had any uh, regression with the driver. I mean, he came out firing in round one uh, with a seven under par round and and held the lead. Um, you know, going into the second round, you know, I I, I don't look uh, too far into. Uh, the bad driving week last week, you know, it, it was the, it was the first time if we're getting exact, it was the first time he lost shots with the driver since the Scottish open. That was, you know, last July. Um, you know, he's had his chances to win at Sawgrass before he sit on the, stood on the 10th tee box in 2001 with, you know, a great chance to win, ended up finishing ninth. And, you know, when you look at historically what has let Rom down at Sawgrass, um, it's the iron play, but I do like that, that he's had chances to win here before he's still playing great golf. Uh, my play for Rom this week would be Rom to finish top 10 at plus plus one fifteen on, on bet three, six, five. I passed on him last week. Um, I haven't played him too much besides some top European tickets this year, but I, I think it's, it's a for sure thing that he finishes in the top 10 this week, AJ. All right, he is 10 to 1 to win the tournament outright. Uh, you like him at the top 10, uh, just over even money. Let's talk about the favorite, Rory McElroy. Uh, I'm seeing him here 9 to 1 to win this thing, plus 230, top 5, plus 120, top 10. Is there any value in Rory, who, like you said, is kind of in this dogfight to be the world's number one? Yeah, I'm out on Rory this week. It's, it, it, it's a tough deal because, you know, he, he was putting very good to end last season when he won the tour championship he was putting very good when he won the cj cup in the fall and that's all due to the fact that he has uh switched putting coaches to uh, the great brad faxton now what's what's interesting is that brad just got hired to the nbc broadcast team so what i'm noticing is he does not have the same amount of time for rory that he had prior to him taking the gig with nbc and as a result, Rory's putting has suffered uh, over the last two events. He would have won Bay Hill uh, had he putted well. And, you know, the greens at Sawgrass are grainy. They're undulated. Um, I'm going to pass on Rory this week. I have him in a futures bet to win the Masters. I'm hoping that his putting comes around uh, between now and then. Probably has only two starts left before the Masters. But I'm out on Rory McIlroy this week. Scotty Scheffler looks like he is the co-number two favorite with uh, with Rom at 10-1. to 1. Uh, what do we think of Scotty's shots this week? You know, he's another guy who, you know, the putter let him down last week. He should have won that tournament. Uh, he should have won Bay Hill. I, I, I looked at this yesterday. Um, you know, he's hitting the ball phenomenally over the last 25 events. He's he's done everything right from tee to green. But it's it's pretty shocking to note that Scotty Scheffler over the last 25 events has putted poorly in 12 of those. Now, he's still won four times. 
but I'm actually I'm out on Sheffer this week and we'll be fading him in a matchup, which we'll get to in a second. All right, let's get to uh, outside the top three, getting a little little better odds. Uh, you look at Patrick Cantlay, 16 to one plus wow. 360 to win top five. You know, he hasn't uh, he has played terribly uh, at Sawgrass uh, <laughs> o- over his career. I mean, he finished, it's funny, in his first two starts at Sawgrass in 2017 and 2018, he finished 22nd uh, and 24th. Since then, in four starts there, he has not uh, made a cut there. But, you know, you look at the last two starts, and he was brilliant from Tita Green en route to a third-place finish Riviera. And then he finished fourth uh, last week at the at the Arnold Palmer. I, I still love Cantlay. Uh, this week, I, I I wouldn't be afraid of a Cantlay eighteen to one ticket. I saw that on Bet Online, MGM, Bovada, uh, and, and last year you got to be really careful when looking at the players last year because on paper Patrick Cantlay did miss the cut, but he got absolutely hosed in that Friday bad draw. Remember the wins Friday morning last year made the course literally unplayable. There was twenty seven balls that ended up in the water on seventeen. That's the second most in the history of this event. Uh, so I'm going to cut him a break on last year. And I think, uh, you know, everyone should have a little bit of Ka- Patrick Canley at 18 to one this week. All right. There you have that. And the fifth favorite, Justin Thomas, JT, yeah. we're looking at 20 to one. Yeah, I like JT a lot this week. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, he was piercing stingers all over Sawgrass last year. He finished 33rd. But once again, that was good because he was in that Friday bad draw and had to claw his way back all weekend. Uh, you know, the common thing with JT at Sawgrass is he's putted well here every year. And, you know, I say this because uh, on the golf podcast and RJ Bell's dream preview, we've been monitor- monitoring JT's putting a lot over the last five events. He made a putting change at the beginning of the season, which was was just it was just it was a stupid decision from him. He likes to get wrapped up in this childhood putter that looks a lot like Tiger's putter and him and Tiger have a little bromance going on, but he's back to the putter that won him two PGA championships. Uh, and I, I like JT this week. Actually, my my matchup I'm going to share with you guys is uh, is backing JT. All right, let's uh, let let me ask you about two more guys that I I've yeah. got some interest in. Want to see your thoughts? You've taken me off a lot of bad ones in the past. Uh, but let's start with Tony Finau. Uh, Tony Finau and the other guy I'm, I'm going to talk about are both 25 to 28 to 1. It looks like depending on where you look. But Tony Finau, a guy who uh, looks like he is has been doing really well, strokes gained on approach, uh, which, you know, I'm no expert. But what I was reading is that's pretty important on, on this course. Uh, is this a guy who his game lines up well for, for this course? Uh, this week, no. Uh, and, and you're so right that good, uh, approach numbers on this course are everything. Uh, I would say the most important stat is definitely driving the ball around here. Once again, I said, you know, 400 acres of water, uh, of swamp, my apologies with the most water of any course on tour. If you have a bad driving, if you see a player with bad driving numbers, you got, you have to stay away because Anyone who's not driving it well is reteeing lost ball in the water. You need to stay stay away from them. Now, Finau is a little bit of a different story uh, because, yes, he's played very well over his last 25 starts, three wins. But if you look closely, he's lost strokes on the greens uh, in three of his last four events. I watched him putt last week's Arnold Palmer. AJ, I would stay away from this guy this week. Looks very uncomfortable with the putter. 
Winning score should be between 15 and 18 under this week with how soft the course is playing. You're going to have to make a lot of birdies, and Tony Finau is not in that place with this putter. All right, let's talk about Victor Hovland. He can get up around 28 to 1, and he was looked like he was kind of making a comeback last weekend, uh, and then he put a ball in the water late and kind of killed his shot. But this was the best driving, or I guess the, the best strokes gained on the tee that he's had in his career uh, so if, if that's important and he's always a guy who does, uh, does great gaining strokes on approach, uh, is there any value in Hovland at 28 to one? There absolutely is value in Victor Hovland at 28 to one. Uh, let's go back to last year first, because Hovland finished ninth at the players last year. And if you remember Hovland's season last year, he had a horrible, horrible year with the, not only putters, but around the greens chipping as well. Anytime he was chipping, he just lay the sod over it puke all over himself but he's tidied all that up uh last year he finished ninth and he lost strokes on the greens which means had he putted average he probably wins the tournament and you're exactly right last three events uh victor hovland's been playing very well there's still there's still some struggles there when he's missing greens and has to chip but in his defense he's hitting the ball so well off the tee hitting the ball so well with his irons um, that I think there is some some serious value there with Victor Hovland at 28 to 1. Uh, look at that top continental leaderboard um, on DraftKings. Barstool has it as well. I'm sure a couple other books do as well. Top European continental leaderboard. Look for Victor Hovland there. Hovland at plus 280 to finish top 10. You feel like there's value there as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. He finished ninth last year with a bad putting week. If you look at the last... If you look at his last five events, he's picked up strokes on the greens in four of the last five. He's in a very comfortable place, number one, with the putter. And number two, he's in a very, very comfortable place with the irons. He's always been a pretty good driver of the golf ball. You don't have to worry about Victor missing fairways. I think he's going to have a great opportunity this week. I like that top 10, 10 number there, AJ. All right. What are you looking at for your favorite matchup this week? Well, my favorite matchup it's gonna, might, might surprise a couple of people. I'm going to take Justin Thomas over Scotty Scheffler. Uh, at plus 120 on FanDuel. And the bottom line is Scotty Scheffler is yet to finish better than 55th uh, in three starts at TPC Sawgrass. I understand that, you know, he was very close to winning last week and, you know, he's very close to returning to, to world number one, but this golf course has given, given him a very tough time. You know, Golf Channel made a good comparison last week. He's a good mix of Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. He can, you know, he very good, uh, ball striking numbers, but he can kind of spray it a little bit. And, you know, he has, he's yet to putt well around Sawgrass. So it's a fade Scheffler week. And as for Thomas, you know, he's never really struggled around here. Uh, he's a past champion of the players. And, you know, I really have, after seeing what he did last year in the terrible conditions of Sawgrass, still finishing 33rd, I really have all the confidence in the world in him this week. Uh, you know, played well at Bay Hill last week, had a second round 67 and just wasn't able to keep it going through the weekend. But uh, Scheffler has struggled here. And for that reason, I'm going to take Justin Thomas over Scotty Scheffler plus 120 uh, over on FanDuel. Uh, lots of good information here from Will Doctor. Before we let you get out of here, Will, what's your best bet for this tournament? Ah, yes. I'm going to take Jason Day, top 20 plus 150 over on Bet365. And uh, this has been a fun, this has been a fun player to to kind of follow really over the last five years, you know, Jason day had a, had a huge run in 2015, won the PGA uh, in that same year, obviously moving into 16, he won the players 
uh, just a week after he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So these are these are this part of the schedule is one that he's very comfortable with. And, you know, he's working with a new coach now. And over his last 10 events, AJ, he's only finished worse than 21st on one occasion. And it was at the RSM Classic at the end of the fall. He played beautifully on the West Coast swing, transitioned well to the Florida Bermuda last week en route to a 10th place finish uh, at Bay Hill. And, uh, you know, this is an Aussie who who is really going to contend this week. I, I can tell you that right now, 14th on tour in putting. His ball striking has been nothing to worry about over the last 12 events. So uh, my best bet is Jason Day to finish top 20 plus 150. All right, there you go. That's Will Doctor, DRmedia59 at twitter.com. Find him there. And, of course, right here on our podcast network, does the weekly show uh, on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview and gets super deep into these things. Uh, You know, I didn't realize how much it mattered, what kind of grass is on the greens and things like that. So I've learned a lot from Will as well. Uh, appreciate the time, man, and good luck to you this week. We'll talk to you uh, once majors come around. That's it. Uh, thanks again, Scott and AJ. Yeah, we'll talk before the Masters. Appreciate thanks, it. Well. Great stuff there from Will. Looking forward to the golf uh, getting underway. First round action tomorrow morning, right, from uh, Florida. TPC Sawgrass. That's where it is, right? Yep. Sawgrass, yeah. So we'll uh, check out and see how these future bets and these matchup bets play out. If you would like to grab a daily best bet or a season-long subscription package at pregame.com, take 20% off of us using the promo code TIME20, T-I-M-E-20. That gets you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. It is for you, the loyal listeners of S-O-V-A-M. TIME20 is your promo code. For A.J. Hoffman, Will Doctor, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. A.M.